capturing images of people across China, exploring its ever-changing lifestyles and feeling the heartbeat of its villages, towns and cities. This is Selfie. This is Selfie. Giving you real-life stories in China. 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 Ever since I was blind, the only way for me to be happy was to listen to music and also to play with toys that could produce sounds. And so my dad, when I was three, bought me a toy electronic keyboard. And after feeling the pitches and the keys, I was able to make out a few tunes from there. And that's how I began. I think when I was four, I four you have I childishly said that I wanted to become a pianist. Huh. But as time progressed and as I dug deeper and deeper into this, it became more apparent to me that music is the career that I am pursuing. Right now, inclusive education is still beginning to bud in China, but I'm confident that. There will be more totally blind people enrolling in their dream universities, not the ones tailored for disabled people. Personally speaking, it's performing and showing to the public what I learned, and demonstrating that such higher education does pay off. And for me to also enjoy performing and to learn from my experiences on stage, interacting with people. That's, I think, how I would give back to my community. Hello, and welcome to Selfie. I'm your host Manling. My guest today is Lai Jiajun, or David Lai, a rising pianist who recently graduated from the Central Conservatory of Music, one of China's top music schools. In his class, he's the only student who is totally blind. And back in 2015, David was one of the first batch of visually impaired students who set China's national college entrance exam, known as Gaokao, instead of specialized exam tailored for blind people. David has no experience of studying or living abroad. But native English speakers would be deeply impressed by the young man because he can speak English fluently and beautifully, and I was surprised to know that basically he's a self-taught English speaker. How did he achieve that? Stay tuned and listen. When did you start to realize or have a clear picture of your passion and purpose of life? I think when I was four, I four you have I childishly said that I wanted to become a pianist. Huh. But as time progressed and as I dug deeper and deeper into this, it became more apparent to me that music is the career that I am pursuing. Whether, and it's your passion, right? Yeah. Whether it would be a career on stage or a combination of career on stage and teaching. It's still working with music.、And、so starting me, from at the age of four, you vaguely <laughs> formed this purpose of life. It has never changed. It has never changed until today. Even、uh, though at that time I maybe did not know what was coming,、mm-hmm. 
But now that I just looking back, I think it all made sense up to now. So they are your dreams, right? Yes. So far, it's all about music.、Mm-hmm. But I'm so curious about why were you interested in learning English? I learned by myself, essentially. I was given a collection of used English cassette tapes when I was seven by a neighbor. So she was going to high school, and that time she just gave me some of her used tapes. So I started listening to them. I just thought that the tones of the language was very interesting. It felt like singing. It's like music. It's、right? like music.、Mm-hmm. So going up and down and things like that. Then I started imitating. What I heard on the cassettes, and gradually I decided to ask people and ask around for information. What does this mean? What does that mean? By age nine, when I came to Beijing in two thousand five, and I could utter some sentences in Chinese, some in English, some, you know, broken sentences, but still sentences nonetheless. And I started to learn English on the bus and subway. I would take a a little cassette recorder and just listen. Okay. But、um, other people would definitely be wondering what's going on here. So there would sometimes be even native English speakers coming along and ask me if I was learning English. And when that happened, usually I would just say, say to them if they work. In Beijing, and、yep. if they did, so this is the one you just、mm. now mentioned. Somebody came to you, and you open your mouth. Yeah,、right? that's one thing. And also, I memorize or imitate, or well, whatever you would like to put it in different ways. I memorize the passages that I hear, and I just talk to myself,、mm. and I would hear myself as I talk. So、mm-hmm. that's how I got my pronunciation exactly like. And as close to what I hear as possible, that is what I am trying to achieve. On many occasions, actually, you have said that you are very lucky and you are very grateful to have come across many people who helped you, and、um, they actually make you what you are today, right?、Mm-hmm. So, who are those people who you cannot forget and you have to give credit to? Can you share your stories with us? Yes, so there are people who helped me on a major basis with your career, with my career, like Professor Zhou Guangren. Even before we came to Beijing, she was the one who suggested me to move to Beijing for my professional studies, and she promised me that if I could move and settle down in Beijing, she would find me a good teacher. How did you come to know her? Okay, so、uh, my dad. When I was younger, would buy me VCDs of piano music and things like that. Usually, these would carry, in addition to the music, comments and、um, instructions on how to play. And usually, at that time, most of the comments were by her. She videotaped herself speaking. So I could hear her voice, and my dad saw in the credentials and credits that okay, this professor is at the Central Conservatory of Music. So in 2004, so I was at the age of eight, we first came to Beijing to see her, my father and I, and she was very welcoming. She said something like, "Why don't you just come in and wait for me after I finish my examination? We can talk." And、um, we can discuss further. So we waited for her, and after 
all was done, she asked me to play some things for her, and I did. She said that I was lacking in basic skills, and that if I would move to Beijing, she would help me find a good teacher. And then she just gave us her address, her phone number, and so we discussed for a year. My dad and I and our family. Made plans, and then we moved to Beijing in two thousand five. So, when was the very first trace that your parents detected that you are so much into music? You're so interested. You have this talent in music.、Uh, ever since I was blind, the only way for me to be happy was to listen to music and also to play with toys that could, could produce sounds. And so, my dad,、uh, when I was three, bought me a toy electronic keyboard. And after feeling the pitches and、um, the keys, I was able to make out a few tunes from there. And then my first encounter with the piano happened at my mom's classmate's house a few months later. And people started saying things like that I should take piano lessons and things like that. So、uh, that's how I began. But、uh, later, you know, after I started, my parents sensed that I wouldn't have to be. Coax into a piano practice session. I mean, I, I would just go on my own, and I would be hopeful for another class next week. I was looking forward to a class, the next class. So, I mean, by these traits, they kind of knew that I was interested in music in a sense. But I wouldn't say that they had a <laughs> sort of inspiration to <laughs> do mm-hmm, this. They, mm-hmm. they just watched my reactions. What I Felt what I did. They just want you to be happy, right? They saw you、mm. are happy when listening to beautiful sounds. Yeah. And then, can your little family afford buying expensive pianos for no, you? No, of course not. My parents, by the time I was pronounced totally blind by the doctors, were laid-off workers. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask that how. It's very cruel for them to accept, or like you said, pronounced sort of a totally blind. How did they come to terms with this fact? According to my mom, she cried. According to my dad, he、um, he didn't cry. He had a bit of tears、uh, in his eyes a little bit. But after these initial reactions, they decided that okay, since my mom had taken the brave steps to bring me into this world, it would be. Cruel to drop me off in some place and just leave me be. It would be their responsibility. Well, that's what my dad told me. It would be their responsibility to raise me as a normal person, so that once I grow up and if I learn something that is very enjoyable, that I would be happier. I would have a way of supporting myself. Yes. That's、Make your own living, right? Yeah, yeah.、Um, being self-sufficient and enjoy life at the same time. That's right.、Um, what role did your parents play in your life while you were growing up, and how did that role change over time as you get older? You know,、mm. because it seems to me that your father, especially, is the all-time helper or assistant to you. Yes, he is a friend. A helper, as well as a fellow right-hand man or left-hand man, because he usually walks to my left. So,、mm. but there, 
so I would play him music or we would listen to something together or we'd go to concerts and then we would talk about our feelings and uh, what we heard and you know feedback and he would also comment on my practices what I need to improve on although he is um, no uh, musician by trade but he has certainly grown into a very smart listener and in my opinion also a very helpful listener and I get lots of satisfaction just by talking with him even we can go very deep into musical subjects so actually you both enjoyed each other's intellectual companionship yes and as for my mom she is the typical house lady but at the same time she is a very down-to-earth worker and um, right now since she has retired she is still working as person monitoring the elevator so she has taken on her shoulder um earning a living for the family yes and Mm -hmm. also we are financially supported by other people and also charity organizations like local disabled people's federation Mm -hmm. and also there are people who are willing to help us Uh, there is a manager of a piano store i would usually go there to practice during my time in hangzhou and he has really sacrificed a lot by helping us in my opinion what have you learned from your parents on an intellectual and spiritual level Hmm. what influence do they have on you well certainly they have influenced me to become for example from your mother what you learned she is a very realistic person. Sometimes I might be a little too... Idealistic. Yeah, so <laughs> she's usually the down-to-earth type. Practical. Practical. And as for my dad, he is a very uh, persistent figure. So he has always influenced me that if I had promised to do something, I got to stick it to the end. So you learn persistence from your father and the being practical maybe from your <laughs> well mother. yeah but also some other things Simple. for example my personality when i was like two or three my parents would take me out to do everything uh, when they shopped when they visited the relatives and friends of our family whenever they went somewhere they took me along instead of letting me be locked up in a room or something there are plenty of blind people who uh, become invisible Unfortunately so. And uh, unfortunately, I have even met classmates in the blind school who later become so introverted. And I am very grateful that I did not go down that road. What my dad told me from early on was the fact that I am totally blind. But apart from that, I am no different than anyone else. I was trained to be, in a sense, more outgoing and more able to speak and talk in a very general manner, so to speak. I also want to know that, can you remember what was the point you suddenly realized that, oh, I am different and I need special treatment? When I was two years and a half, I had a conversation with my mom Mm -hmm. one morning. Mm -hmm. I got up and I said, mom, I wanted to go to the doctor's. And she said, why? Are you sick? And I said, um, I'm blind. I could not see. And then she smiled and said, you silly child. <laughs> Your condition could not be cured. You realized at the age of two something? Two, yeah, two and a half. Two and a half? Well, I was told that I was blind and I thought maybe there would be a chance for me to be cured. But um, later when I was told that... Um, 
at that time, I could not be cured. I was not born with blindness, but、um, due to oxygen toxicity in the hospital, I. You lost、mm. your sight during infancy, right? Right. And do you know the concept of color? If tone color, yes. Tone color. <laughs>、uh, you know, different different voices have you know their their own different. There colors, are people out there who describe blind people's world as a dark world. Do you agree with that? No, and I also disagree with the fact that my world is dark because by the usual understanding, if you want to say that someone's world is dark, then that means very negative, very negative, and very lifeless. No, not that kind of a description. But if I ask you to describe or using the conventional terms of color to describe your world, what color you want to describe? Your world. I would say it's a changing palette of different colors. Changing palette. That's very romantic. It's <laughs> like a you're like a painter, right?、Uh, yeah. Oil painting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But I think I drove this from how I play the piano. So, since tonal music is written in a very Harmonic style and usually different harmonies, major and minor and diminished, would have different colors based on how the composer chooses to structure this piece and how how these things are put together. So I would say, for me to feel these colors by my hearing and also by my intellect, and to put that to my fingertips, that results in a changing color. And Zhou Guangren is a very respectful lady that you actually being grateful. Her, yeah, and her also help. she helped me find my first teacher, who, who also was、uh, studied under her. What's his、there. name? Mr. Mao Dongli. He is still working in the in Central the, Conservatory of Music,、uh-huh. but at the conducting. Oh,、faculty. he's the conductor, right? No, he is playing the piano and assisting for. Conductors. And so, how long you studied under him? From 2005 to 2015, right before ten years. Right before I was enrolled in the conservatory, and after I was enrolled in the conservatory, I still play for him occasionally because I trust his interpretations, and we have actually formed a very good partnership with each other. He would every. Time when I learn a new piece, he would describe to me what is written on the printed page, the markings, tempo markings, the、uh, how one should play, and things like that. And if I had anything that I did not catch by listening to a recording, he would play that particular passage hand separately for me, left and right, and slowly, so that I can just memorize that particular passage by hearing. I read about、um, other interviews you had、mm-hmm. uh, previously that I also felt there is one person that you need to mention. He is the shop owner. Actually, you already mentioned in yes, the, in the shop owner of a piano shop, right? Yes. And then the you went there to、shop. play and a piano practice. and he, practice. He, along with a person from Taiwan, gave me my first upright piano when I was four. And do you think these lucky moments or lucky opportunities are random? It just happened to you. No, I wouldn't say so. I think one thing that made it possible for me to be exposed to such people, and also my free English teachers as well. Yeah, I know an American family who not only teaches me English and American culture and gives me challenges to speak and things like that. But they also listen to me practice. I think 
For one thing, I have my personality, which is quite outgoing, and also I am quite open-minded to learn new things. I showed that to other people, and also I think my willingness to engage with them kind of struck a chord with these people. Because you already being the first pioneers to be, you know, trailblazer. On, of yes, sorts, trailblazer.、Right? That's a very good <laughs> word. Trailblazer in China's inclusive education for、mm-hmm. disabled people, right?、Mm-hmm. You must have come up with problems that we need to improve in the future. Right now, inclusive education is still beginning to bud in China, but I'm confident that there will be more totally blind people. Enrolling in their dream universities, not the ones tailored for disabled people, but the ones that others would go to. I mean, in Western countries, I've read that it's normal for a disabled person to pursue a higher education in whatever institution that they want to get into, as so long as they have the talents and capabilities that they could be able to do that. So I think China is. On its way. One thing that we need to shout out to the world is that we are no different than anyone else. That we may have different testing formats, like I have to be tested orally sometimes, but we by no means would impose so-called difficulty on society or complications or unfairness. We don't intend to do that. Let's just. Take this example. I could take the subway to come to do this show. If I had a car, I could drive. If I、um, had the inclination to walk all the way here, I could do that. I mean, there are just different ways of getting it done. And I would use this analogy to say that you know there are different ways for people to do certain things. And I believe that. Through advocacy, and there are already advocates that applaud for such openness, not only for disabled people, for them to society, but also for society to get to know us as a community, just like them. Things are getting better, but for us, the so-called special people, <laughs> I would say to bridge out. Just a little more in your circle, and get out there in society. Show them what you can do, and be confident and follow your dreams. That's what I would say. For me, personally speaking, it's performing and showing to the public what I learned, and demonstrating that such higher education does pay off. That this is not a waste of time and a waste of money and a waste of whatever, <laughs> and. For me to also enjoy performing and to learn from my experiences on stage, interacting with people, that's I think how I would give back to my community. Despite having worked in radio for several decades, this was my first interview with a blind person, or more accurately, with a person with a physical disability. I tried to sensitively ask David about his disability, but he said he didn't mind people using the word "blind," and it's direct. At one point during the interview, David suddenly looked distracted and turned his head as if he was searching for something. David explained that he could hear a strange sound coming from outside the studio, while I couldn't hear anything outside our quiet, well-insulated cocoon. As a radio host, 
This incident made me reflect on my own complacency about my ability to experience the world around me. I hope that this interview will serve as a reminder to ensure that I am being inclusive when I cover the news and tell stories in future. Thanks for tuning in to Selfie. I'm Man Ling. If you liked it and want to listen to us again, just find us on our website, chinaplus.ci.cn and Apple Podcasts. This has been a China Plus production. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free. If you have any comments about the episodes, just send us an email: podcast at cri.com.cn. Podcast at cri.com.cn. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at China Plus News. China China Plus.